0: Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Joe on from Crosscheck, and our discussion, our topic today is the state of recruiting from a recruiter's perspective. So, good time to talk about it, and I love talking with Joe anyhow, so this is going to be a lot of fun. So, Joe, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Crosscheck?
1: Yes, definitely. So um, thanks for having me. Um, sure. I'm Joe Avent. I am the extremely new um, chief people officer at Crosscheck. Uh, Crosscheck, um, the reason I'm at Crosscheck is Crosscheck recently acquired Talent Wall where I was a co-founder. So Crosscheck now um, has a slightly larger suite of products um, because obviously includes Talent Wall. Uh, Crosscheck uh, basically provides... Um, data across the entire kind of candidate journey, right through to hire um, and beyond to employee, to really look at um, performance and uh, efficiency across that whole pipeline.
0: love it, okay. So let's start off with some of the basics. The state of recruiting from a recruiter's perspective, what do you see so right now?
1: I mean, it's hard to uh, go on LinkedIn where of course we all, you know, love to hang out. Um, and not be struck by this kind of um, downturn in the market, and seeing folks, um, you know, who've been laid off—they're sharing layoff lists. Uh, so I think, you know, certainly from um, that perspective, that's kind of I think, you know, if not front of mind for folks, um, in case they're personally affected, uh, you know, I think it's definitely an opportunity. For folks who are actively recruiting, you know, to, to get their hands on on more candidates. But I would say, you know, having been in a position to hire recruiters many times over the years and kind of knowing what it takes to find great recruiting talent and how long that can take to find just from a you know hiring process. Um, and then ramping up a recruiter, there's some some kind of similarities ramping up a recruiter and ramping up a salesperson and it can take a few weeks you know fastest or even a few months so if you think about you know a hiring process that's taken a few months and then add a ramp up process that can take a few months after that if you're thinking about reduction in force and looking at your recruiting team and thinking about laying off recruiters because you know you're not hiring at the moment um I think you'd do well to think twice and think about ways that really can retain those folks where possible. Uh, you know, a lot of the time recruiters are the people who really embody your culture and values that accompany and they're the folks that day in, day out are kind of selling your company to you know, externally. Um, obviously, when they're talking to candidates, they're trying to convince candidates to join their company. So, so they're really kind of dyed in the wool, super fans of your, of your company. Uh, Yeah, so that's kind of top of mind for me, just because obviously, we're chatting with recruiters all the time. And um, it's, it's tough to, to be in that situation and lose folks from your team and, and to be someone who has, you know, through the good times, kind of oftentimes recruiters are really overworked on the team. And I was delighted um, this year at, at the Greenhouse Conference to see a session on recruiter burnout um, and see folks talking about that. But you know, given that recruiters so often are the are really <laughs> working very, very hard in the good times, it seems um, you know, those are the folks you really want to hang on to if possible, um, when things are looking a bit leaner.
0: Yeah, it seems it, it seems like a, a bit of an overreaction uh, in terms of like what we saw at the beginning of COVID is there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. And you know, right, right place so. And, uh, and people overreacted and they cut too deep, especially with talent, both yeah. in HR and in, in recruiting uh, and sourcing. And so they cut too deep and maybe less than 90 days later, They had to go and hire again. They had to go hire those folks, if not those folks, they had to go hire again. And it's just like that could have all been avoided.
1: Yeah, yeah. And hiring again in a market when it was coming roaring back, and Mm -hmm. by the way, everyone else is hiring those same recruiters. Right. So all the prices have just gone up too. So I think you know, and you've lost that time, as I kind of mentioned earlier. You know, that ramp up time is so expensive from a um, you know, you've got these folks, and they're not giving you anyone yet. So, yeah, I think you kind of slow down your your hiring machine, and and reduce your hiring machine at your own peril a little bit.
0: You know, I think it's this as you talked about. I think some of this is also reputation and employer brand because these uh, these are kind of keepers of of the culture in in a way, and they yeah. and they sell your culture to candidates. And if you don't treat them right you know it seems to me that you know they, how can they tell that story like you know how can they, how can they how can they represent you if if uh if they've been done wrong and and again we're saying done wrong in the sense of of kind of layoffs and rifts that maybe are a knee jerk reaction to uncertainty yeah.
1: yeah i think something really interesting that's happened um kind of in the recruiting over the last gosh I mean particularly in the last few years but um, definitely started maybe 10 years ago was this idea of there being such thing as a recruiter community um, certainly you know when I started back in the day there really wasn't any sense of that at all in fact it was very much if you were onto something the very last thing you do was share it with anybody else um, but I see so much more recruiter sharing and community in this you know, lots of really great slack channels out there and meetup groups um we have our own slack channel um which you know we see people sharing all the time and you know reaching out for help and stuff. so i think exact exactly what you're saying more than ever now you know there's this the community memory of you know, if you let your recruiters go if you you know don't do right by them to some degree, that's that's much more visible than it ever used to be. Um, but what I see as well from, you know, on a more uplifting note perhaps, is what I see from that community is people actively and proactively really trying to help each other out and pick up those folks who've perhaps been, um, you know, have been laid off to to kind of find a new home for them.
0: Oh yeah. well, I mean, Twitter laid off a bunch of folks yesterday. And uh, I reached out to a bunch of of people that are there, uh, finding out a you know is what's going on and can I help? Uh, And it's just amazing. I mean, that that part of this this uh, this world I love because in good times and in bad, people are willing to help. You know, I I love that. And uh, that's not every industry. That's not every that's not every group of people uh, that so. Let me ask you, let me get your take on, okay, so after the initial lay of COVID, uh, things got hot, we had to rehire, and then it got crazy for recruiters, both in terms of the amount of volume that they had to consume in terms of recs, but also the recruiting recruiters. Like we did uh, in March, just of this year, we did a recruiting recruiters event. Yeah. And over 5000 people there. So, you know, it was it was, it was well attended because it was also very hard and difficult to to recruit recruiters. What do you what do you think about if if people made because I had this question on LinkedIn yesterday. You know, should I leave a job that's, that's for money that's going to pay me twice as much as I'm making now, but I love the job that I'm making that I'm doing right now? And, and so the question is the folks that moved, I mean, I have no hate, you know, if you, if you moved, you know, for whatever reason uh, you moved, do, do, is the company less loyal or more loyal to somebody that moved in that, in that time period, or do they see this as a way of, of beating down, you know, prices in terms of how much recruiters cost?
1: Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying if they, if a recruiter kind of got headhunted out of where they that's were.
0: Right. You, that's right.
1: Yeah. I mean, oof, that's a tough one. I, you know, I'm getting flashbacks to <sighs> <laughs> Slack groups I was on at the time and people, you know, desperate for recruiters and everyone's yep. desperate for recruiters. And like, I don't know what to tell you. I, you know, I don't know a single recruiter who's not already, you know, kind of being headhunted out of where they are. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think Roblox did something really interesting I think they actually created their own recruiter kind of um, they took it into their own hands, right. And created their own kind of pipeline of recruiters by starting almost like a, I don't remember what they called it exactly, but something like an Academy where they were training folks in-house to become recruiters is completely fascinating.
0: Oh, wow, that's smart.
1: Yeah. Really um, cool and innovative. Um, so do is there a perception could there be a perception of i mean sure yes absolutely but also who's really going to begrudge recruiters the same thing that you know developers have been doing for a long time good point. product folks good point. sales folks you know um i think you know good for them about time you know so, as i'd said at the top of the thing you know i think recruiters are often the first folks get let go um at the first sign of trouble and and i think you know to some degree to sort of make hay a bit while the sun shines obviously if your resume is looking like you know six months here six months there then then you you know you might want to reconsider your decisions but uh i think you know the market's gonna um gonna kind of rule for for where folks folks move
0: yeah I think you know the, the interesting part about salaries uh, with recruiters is they're underpaid to begin with, um, right. and so the market was just basically correcting that to a place, 100%.
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> to getting them to where they should be. Now, what will be fascinating to see is when it's not if, but when the market comes back, yeah. will will the salaries come back at the at the at the at the pace at the where they were? Yeah, Which I'm not sure. I don't know how that plays out.
1: Yeah so 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 interesting and uh yeah I think again you know having been around the block a few times here I think um you know when even in the early 2000s I think recruiters were if they were in-house recruiters were probably for the most part seen almost as an administrative process a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um, and were paid as such And and then kind of you know, kind of re-educating folks um about the value and the worth and the and the and what what's actually um involved in doing good recruiting. You know, people have really lent into this idea of um this metaphor, I guess, of like comparing recruiting almost to sales and marketing, and people get very excited about, you know, funnels and CRMs and borrowing all this lingo for um <laughs> from that space and i i think that's interesting And there's lots there that's really valid and, and comparable but um you know i think and maybe this is a different other bias from me because looking back and looking at folks when they were in those kind of administrative roles and it was this kind of just walking someone through a process but you know externally maybe that looks like that's what was happening um But I think for folks who were doing recruiting then, you know, even then knew that it was a bit more complicated than that. And so I think you know, some of the stuff we've done and kind of the, I guess, inspiration behind Talent Wall to some point was really taking what kind of um, dynamics are at play um, on software development teams and looking at them and how they are. You know, there might be 10, 20, 30 people all working on the same code base, which is so interesting. Well, how are they all how are they all navigating that? When you think about recruiting, you've got candidates in the mix, you've probably got a recruiting coordinator, you might have a sourcer who you know touched the candidate first, you've got a recruiter, you've got your hiring manager, you've got all your interviewers. Um, so by the time you add all those folks up, you've really got a small village of people all trying to Work efficiently and smoothly around this central point and give a good experience. And so I, I really like thinking about that collaboration piece and how that plays into a team. Um, and thinking about how the data that you're surfacing about the process and providing, how that how that works in service of uh, making that team the most efficient that it can be, the most transparent, what's going on, the most clear, of who's, who's up next, you know, who's got the ball, what's going on. Um, and, and I think that collaboration piece and that, that team dynamic is something we're getting to next. Um, and is a, the kind of next step beyond this kind of, Oh, it's just like sales and marketing.
0: Right. Right. Well, do you think right now, again, we're at a really interesting phase. We'll have this conversation in a couple of months. We'll probably it'll probably be completely different. But right now at this particular juncture, do you think it's better to be a generalist or a specialist? In either in either sourcing or recruiting? Like is it better if you're kind of a wooden bullet Barney and you're technical sourcer and that's 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 what you do? Or a technical recruiter, or a healthcare recruiter, etc. Like, is it is it better to be at this point someone that can recruit anything or source anything, or is it better for at this moment? Is it better to be specialised?
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you don't ask the easy. Uh, you don't ask the
0: easy <laughs> questions. Really. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder if it's actually um, if it's what flavour of sourcer or what flavor of recruiter is better? And I wonder if it's better to almost be, a, yeah. be your own saucer and recruiter. I wonder if that's the way to slice and dice these things. That's days.
0: interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Is it better? Yeah. Or would, you, would you right now or do you think the people that are going to come back first are going to be the people that have the skill set that can do both? They can both find the talent and recruit the talent.
1: Yeah, I think good people and people who are well-networked are going to win Mm -hmm. um, whatever the market. And then, oh gosh, I do think it's a little bit, how long is a piece of string? Or, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another with the um, generalist versus specialist. I guess if you, uh, and then it probably would depend what you're specializing in. I think, you know, tech has proved to be such a resilient um, space to be in, um, as long as you're not, you know, specialising in hiring. I guess you know, COBOL developers or something. Mm-hmm. As long as you're kind of keeping up with what some of the latest technologies are, um, and keeping your own network up to date, I think tech probably is a fairly safe bet. Um, yeah, yeah. Gosh, wouldn't it be great to know <laughs> <I'm still bald. laughs>
0: So, so what comes back first uh, for you um, and, and in terms of because like what, what I've seen in the past after something like this is staffing. Yeah. Like, like people are still kind of not knowing what to, you know, not what are you knowing how to, cause this is going to play out. And so instead of hiring somebody full-time, they go to an RPO or they'll go to a staffing firm and they outsource it just yeah. to before that. But before, you know, before I answer that, that, do you see the same things or do you see see it play out a little bit differently?
1: Yeah, I think it's every time we go through one of these cycles, I think um, the kind of the tools space has a bigger role to play. So, um, you know, so obviously RPO is like services type model. Um, but as the tool side gets more and more sophisticated, I think they're going to start playing a bigger role and people will lean into tools Mm. a bit more um before they start employing humans which is you know it's tough right there's great things about that and and sad things about that when we're not giving jobs out but um yeah I think I think small medium-sized businesses will be much more gun-shy about adding headcount
0: Right, right
1: um I think for larger companies, they'll probably be a little bit braver. But I think in all cases, we're going to start seeing, you know, people leveraging tools more to work, to allow the folks they do have to work smarter. Um, which which is a good well. thing.
0: This, I mean, which is actually a great thing. I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of fear for years that automation is going to take people's jobs in both sourcing yeah. and recruiting and, and HR and all this other stuff. And really it augments like like we know that it augments, but when you go through something as emotional as layoffs and rifts and uncertainty, then, then, then you look at, you look at the robots as competitors and they're not competitors. They're still, they're still augmenting. It's nothing, nothing's changed. They're still, they're still um, augmenting, but right now it's not going to be, it's not going to be looked at that way. It's going to be be looked at like, well, like that's a job that somebody couldn't have. Uh, you know they could be scheduling interviews instead of that bot that does the scheduling of interviews etc uh, so I, I think you're dead on with with the tools especially with automation and so I uh, it'll be interesting to see I think you're again, I think you're right with small businesses they're going to be really gunshot about hiring and again how long that is just depends on how fast things come back
1: Yeah. I mean, right. yeah, that's that's true. Our kind of, or my bias, I suppose, because a lot of our customers are in that kind of small, medium size, and uh, VC backed um, space. Is you know, if you look at the VC space right now, there's certainly messages around um, from VCs about you know sh- um, trying to be really cost effective and not spend money when you don't need to, and it's unclear when that. When the you know when the v c purse strings are going to be um opened again, and so absolutely you know from that perspective um it's it's gonna be really interesting, I think in terms of tools not being threatening um for folks i do I do kind of wonder that it's that breakdown, isn't it again of um soft skills versus hard skills, and so often what the tools are capable of um, replicating right now, at least is quite often the hard skills. And then it comes back to that, you know, perennial sort of issue about how do we value soft, like do we value soft skills? Mm-hmm. Are they always visible? Are they quantifiable? Uh, and what what the heck do we do about them? <laughs> so I, I value soft skills incredibly highly. Um, I don't know how to quantify them. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, that's probably another challenge for us as as people, people to kind of think through and, and promote and educate around the value of those soft skills as well.
0: So, okay. So two questions and the ones, they're both relatively quick. One is um, we're at the end of the year and we have this conversation. What do you, what do you think we're talking about?
1: Oh my gosh. Um. You know what I think we could be talking about well I'd like to be talking about um how candidate experience is um evolving. Oh
0: and, nice okay.
1: Yeah, I think I think this is a a journey that we're on that we haven't um quite finished yet. So I've seen you know some customers like Zapier um have for a year or two now maybe longer have been not requesting resumes of candidates and that's super interesting. Makes things a lot more, you know, accessible and easy for candidates. Um, I just saw a tweet the other day from a candidate who was delighted to be given a choice. She's a um, developer engineer, and she'd been given a choice between a take-home test or a kind of paired programming interview. And I just thought that's really great and interesting. It's um, you know, gives people kind of an ability to adapt to their own learning styles. Um, yeah, folks are interested in candidate NPS scores now. So I think there's more of a choose-your-own-adventure thing happening and kind of centering the candidate and giving them their own voice a, a little bit more, which is not a bad outcome.
0: All right, last question is, do you think as people come back that uh, the business, uh, executives, et cetera, use this as a leverageable moment to r- return to office?
1: <laughs> oh, my I mean, some of them already are, right? Right. Um, and I think enough aren't that they will struggle to hire and retain the best folks. Um, gosh, who was yeah. it? Some country, probably in Europe, just made it a uh, human... The
0: Netherlands. Yeah. The, the Netherlands, th- yes, the thank
1: Netherlands. you. Um, I was thinking Denmark, so it was somewhat... Geographically close, yeah. You just were close. It- you were
0: close. You were close.
1: <laughs> Sorry to people from Denmark and the Netherlands. No, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just made it a human right to be able to work remotely, which is like, gosh, how desperately progressive, and would that we could get there too.
0: Yeah this, Joe, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. And we're going to have the show at the end of the year and see how far we were off or whatever, (laughs) which is what I love about shows like this. But thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, William. It's always a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time.